We have to understand not only his strategy against us, we have to strategize against him. You say, Pastor, how do you do that? By knowing the enemy. It is good for us to not be ignorant of how the devil works. We have to prepare a strategy. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? We sit down and say, okay, when this happens, this is what I'm going to do. Let let me share something with you. If you don't make a decision before that decision needs made, you will fail. Let me say it again. If you don't make a decision before that decision needs made, you will fail. This is how the enemy likes to work. Am I making sense today? You've got to make a decision. How, come on, give him praise, church. You've got to make a decision before the decision needs to be made. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. AZ.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your notes, I started a series last week talking about spiritual warfare. And I titled the series Spiritual Warfare and the Church. Folks, we have a difficulty. A lot of people have a hard time with this concept. And a lot of the problem comes with with the secularization of the church. The church is supposed to be a place of peace. The church is supposed to be a place of love and affection and grace. and, And it is. It's all those things. But it's a place where the greatest battle in eternity is taking place every single day. And so what I want to do before I get into the message, just for a moment, I want to answer the question, why do I teach on these subjects? Because I think I teach some subjects most churches don't teach on. And the reason I do it is very simply because we live in this world. We live in a world that the Bible says one day, and I don't know the hour, the day, the month, the year, but I do know the, the events, the seasons, could be very soon. My responsibility as a shepherd is to get the sheep in the safest place possible, is to get the sheep in the best pasture possible, to keep the sheep protected as a strong shepherd as possible. And the way that I do those things 
is by bringing you the only sustenance in your life that'll take you to eternity, and that's God's word. And I've got to teach the whole gospel. You know how many times that I just want to teach the fluff? How many times do you think this church would be filled over? We'd have triple, double, quadruple services probably. I have people, Pastor, I heard you on the radio. Pastor, I heard, man, I can't believe the sermons. I feel great. They're, they're this. And then they come to church and I say, well, I hope they like Sunday morning message. Because <laughs> I can't say as much in 60, minutes, 60 seconds or 30 seconds on the radio as I do on a Sunday morning. Some of you are saying, amen, shut up sooner, preacher. No, nobody's saying that, right? Okay, good. <laughs> but if I just changed my preaching a little bit, man, we... Because I, hey, I'm a heck of a nice guy. My wife tells me I am. We got a great worship team. We got lots of great, but... I say this all respectfully. I don't preach the most popular stuff in town. Do you know why? Because one of these days, we're going to stand before God. One of these days. But until that day, we're in a war. And how many would like to know why some of the things happen that happen? That's why I preach these things. We are at war in your notes. And today, over the next two weeks, I want to spend some time exposing the enemy. There's a little more to living a victorious Christian life than just coming to church. We are in a battle that has eternal consequences that is for our eternal soul. And we learned last week, I made a statement that before we were saved, the battle you and I were in was a battle to keep us away from Christ. But after we gave our life to Christ, we entered a new section of that battle. It now became a battle to continually lead us astray from Christ. And so today in your notes quickly, Understanding the enemy is the first step to defeating him. Understanding the enemy. There is an age-old adage that says that before you can overcome a problem, you have to first admit there is one. That is used in every psychological program on the planet. One of the biggest problems you have with alcoholics or drug addicts or or any kind of person who has an addiction problem is they don't see they have an addiction problem. How many know what I'm talking about? It's the same thing in the church. We don't want to hear this stuff because we don't think, oh, the devil's defeated. Yes, he is. But he knows his days are short to continue his greatest weapon. It's called deception. Six Ephesians verse eleven 
We used this last week. It said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand firm. Why would these things be in the word of God if there wasn't a battle? If there wasn't a war? Why would God in his scripture continually talk about the armaments and the weapons and the warfare and the strategies? Look at 2 Corinthians 2. The focus of my letter wasn't on punishing the offender, Paul says, but on getting you to take responsibility for the health of the church. Paul's talking to the leader and saying, son, you better deal with the problem in the church before God deals with the church. He says, if you forgive him, I forgive him. And I want you to, I don't know if I underlined this in your notes, but if I didn't put it in there, do not think I'm carrying around a list of personal grudges. Look at me quickly. If you're holding a grudge against somebody, get over it. Because if not, it'll get over you. It'll take you down. Let me go on here. The fact is I'm joining in you with your forgiveness. I'm, in, I'm joining with it. This is what Christ is guiding us to do. And look at your notes once again. After all, what's he talking about? If you don't get rid of the grudge, we unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. For we are not oblivious or ignorant of his sly ways or his wicked devices and schemes. I love to use that word ignorant because it comes from a root word that means we do not ignore. Look at me, folks. A lot of us are like the ostrich. We have our head buried in the sand thinking if I just ignore it, it'll go away. It won't. His strategy is to take us to hell. Some of Satan's names show his tactics. The word Satan itself means adversary. Adversary. Does that sound like a positive kumbaya word? Another name is slanderer. You thought you came up with all that slander all by yourself, didn't you? No, he's the one that equips the vocabulary. All he uses is our lips to say it. Evil one, tempter. And this is another one of those things that we have a hard time understanding. God, the Father, and Jesus, God the Son, both call Satan the God of this world. The prince of this world. In another place in 2 Corinthians, he's called the prince of the power of the air. He is very much in charge still. He just has no authority anymore. He still has power. He just has no authority. Who has the authority? And who else? You and I through Jesus He's called the accuser of the brethren. There are so many ways that Satan gets into God's church 
through false philosophies. I've been talking about it for the last few minutes. We don't think, well, this isn't, oh, come on, the devil's defeated. You know, this is not part of the church. Come on, just preach a nice little uh, wonderful message. That's part of the false philosophy that he lulls us into sleep with. False religions, false ministers. Pastor, what's a false minister? Anyone that detours one word from God's word. One word. I've had people tell me, say, Pastor, what if you're right and somebody else is wrong? What if they're right and you're wrong? It's not about right or wrong, good or bad. It's about doing right in the midst of the wrong, according to God's word. I can tell you right now, I can mess you up. Can Say amen. Amen. Yeah. But you know what happens? No, no, yeah, I don't mean physically. I mean, well, I might be able to. I don't know. But maybe not Andrew. He works too much. Yeah. But listen to it. I could preach something out of this word that is right, and he can get mad at me. Well, you say, well, he has a right to be mad. Listen, not according to God's word, he doesn't. Oh, he has a right to be angry as long as he doesn't sin with it. See, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. He can get irritated because I came over and stepped on his toes. He's going to stop sitting in the front row is what he's going to do. <laughs> he can get angry because I stepped on his toes, but who is he really getting angry at? God? Because he's revealing something in his life. And now what's he do with it? He can either turn it around and say, well, bless God, that preacher, blah, 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 blah. Or he can choose to do right in the midst of the wrong. Okay, God. Forgive me. Are you with me? Am I making sense? False teachers. Disciples. Same thing. But what I want to spend the next few minutes this morning is talking about the ways that Satan attacks God's people. In your notes, look at them. Deception, doubt, worry, persecution. We just talked about anger, self-reliance, discouragement, worldliness, lying, immorality. And then I put in there as your fourth little point, and please understand this, Satan's power. He has power. He has no authority, but he has power. But underline that in your notes. It is limited. 2 Corinthians 4, Satan, the God of this world. Say that with me. The God of this world has blinded the eyes. That word blinded the minds, blinded the eyes, blinded the minds, means has caused them to not be able to understand those that don't believe, so that they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news that is shining upon them. And then it says very plainly, they don't understand the message we preach. Why? The God of this world has blinded their minds. Luke 22 says, Simon, Simon, talking about Peter, the apostle, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed that your faith does not fail. Now, let me look at, look at me for just a second. You notice it doesn't say I'm stopping him from sifting you. 
Now, let me give you the picture of this. How many know anything about threshing wheat or threshing? If you're, if you're, grew up on the side of the tracks that I grew up on, we used to hang our laundry out on the lines. When mama used to wash the bedding, she would take a mat, a mallet out there and beat. I think she was talking, thinking about her seven boys every time she did that. But she was beating those bed, that bedding. She was threshing. That's what the word means. So when the Bible says, I want to sift you as wheat, you think it's always oh, just a nice little colander. I'm just, no, no, no. Beating the daylights out of that puppy. That's what Jesus said. Satan is desiring to beat the daylights out of you, son. And of course, Peter wants to sit back and say, oh, Lord, you're going to stop him, aren't you? I'm going to pray for you. That your faith doesn't fail. What, What is the Lord saying? You're going to have problems. We're going to have struggles. We're, why? We are at war. We are, folks. And how many know in war they like to blindside you? How many know in war they like to hide out and they like to ambush? He's desired to sift you, to pulver, to beat you, to do whatever it takes. But listen to what he said. But I prayed. And how many know when the Lord's praying for you, that's a pretty cool thing? That your faith doesn't fail. You see, Satan's tactics in your notes, ladies and gentlemen, aligns with his name. He'll beat you with lies. He'll beat you with slander. He'll beat you with temptation. And if he can't get you to believe what he is doing, then he'll do his greatest trick. He'll just accuse you. Do you know when somebody accuses you of something, it doesn't have to be right or wrong. All you got to do is get somebody to believe it. How many had somebody, how many here own a business and somebody said something bad about your business and that person never came to your business just because they heard something? That happens to churches all the time. I know it's going to shock you, but there's, there's things that are said bad about me. Okay. There's, there's things that are said bad about all kinds of churches. Why? He wants to blind the minds that they may not see. Somebody say amen. amen. Salvation, Revelation 10, or 12. Strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come because the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before God day and night has been cast down. How many brethren do we have here today? In the... Movie, they have the movie now, but it used to be the play. Uh, I never can pronounce it. How do you pronounce that? Les Mis? Yeah, 15 different pronunciations in here. The Miserable Show, okay? Uh, Less Miserable. Okay, that's, that's what it says. Less Miserable. Actually, Miserables, multiple Miserables. Listen what... Victor Hugo, one of the lines in the play says, a good general has to penetrate the brain of the enemy. Let's go back to that passage. He blinds what? The minds. A good general. You see, the devil is a very good general. He is very good in strategic warfare. Let's go into 2 Timothy 
Because you see, not only does he want to assault our minds, we need to understand his M.O., his mode of operation. Look what the scripture says. Endure suffering along with me. Paul is writing, as a good soldier of Christ. Because soldiers do not get caught up in the affairs of civilian life, but they do the things that please the one, the officer that enlisted them. We have to understand not only his strategy against us, we have to strategize against him. You say, Pastor, how do you do that? By knowing the enemy. It is good for us to not be ignorant of how the devil works. We have to prepare a strategy. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? We sit down and say, okay, when this happens, this is what I'm going to do. Let let me share something with you. If you don't make a decision before that decision needs made, you will fail. Let me say it again. If you don't make a decision before that decision needs made, you will fail. Pastor, explain it a little bit. I'm simple, so I can do that. Cameron here. He has to make a decision how he's going to look at that girl with the red dress on before she ever shows up. Two reasons. His God's watching and his wife is. And nothing personal, Amber, but you're the secondary issue. His God's watching. Ladies and gentlemen, I shared a story a couple weeks ago. My wife and I and and Justin and and, um, his wife... uh, Sherelle, thank you. I know you're here somewhere. There you are. We went to dinner the other night, and there's this little girl. I mean, she's wearing clothes that I, don't th- I didn't know was legal to wear. And I go in there. My wife said, honey, you're being too transparent. I made a decision before I ever showed up that night. And that decision was a long time how I'm going to look at girls. I cannot help but look at them. Let me inject this here. It's not in my notes, but it's a free one, so just take it. Watch the way you dress, ladies, please. Because it really messes us guys up. Oh, you preacher? I'm a guy, ain't I? And guys, the same thing. I tell people all the time, the reason I wear loose clothes, I don't want all my muscles to budge, bulge. (laughs) So I try to... I got a laugh out of you, John. <laughs> yeah, John Jr. over here. Where's John Jr. today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to talk to him about wearing looser clothes. Man, I don't know if you could do that. Anyway, but think about it. I go into this restaurant, and all of a sudden, my wife and I go to go sit down, and I'm sitting down right here, and guess where she is? Right there. So you know what I do? I get up and change places with my wife. I would rather look this way than that way. You know Why? I'm making a decision before the decision needs to be made. Does that make sense? This is how the enemy likes to work. Am I making sense today? You've got to make a decision. How, come on, give him praise, church. You've got to make a decision before the decision needs to be made. Because we're going to go through stuff. First he comes, look in your notes. This is his strategy. I think I left in your notes. Does it say strategy? First he comes with the temptation. How many have ever been in church and thought of the most horrible thing you could ever think about in church? That means you're not paying attention to my preaching. No, what it means is the devil's alive and well. And he brings this temptation. 
And then all of a sudden, a horrible, ungodly thought comes to us, and we think, I can't believe this. Where did that come from? And then Satan says, oh, you're a twisted, perverted man. What's your problem? Why would you think such a thing? And you call yourself a Christian. Am I talking to anybody but me this morning? Have you ever dealt with this kind of lie? This kind of temptation? This accusation? It's not true. But he throws it out there. You see, his number one assault is accusation. He is the accuser of the brethren. And day and night he accuses. But our defense against his accusation, as Jesus said, don't worry, I'm praying for you. You say, well, that sounds so trite. When the God of all eternity is praying for me, there's nothing trite about that. Satan desires to pummel me, to sift me, to beat me down to where I just give up. This is why we struggle understanding the things of God because we are engaged in a spiritual war that we choose not to admit to. Because the accuser is blinding the minds. Let me repeat what I said a little earlier. If you're here today and you're not saved, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the devil is right there beside you. Oh, I'm not a bad person. It has nothing to do with good and bad folks. I've had some of the greatest friends in the world be used right by the devil. Your pastor's been used by the devil. Take that part out of the tape, please. I don't want people to think that. <laughs> folks, we're all guilty. Why? Because we're flesh. If you're here today and you're not saved, you are in a battle trying to keep you away. But if you are here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're in a battle to continually lead you astray. Either way, it's still a battle. And like I said last, piece, last week, some people would say, Pastor, I don't want to be in a war. It's not an option. If you're alive and you're breathing, you're in a war. The only choice you have is which side you're on. And as I shared last week, we're all watching the, the news. How many saw the chaos in Sweden? Sweden is one of those people that always takes the neutral ground. And look what's happening to them. There is no neutral ground, folks. There is no neutral ground. Either way, it's a battle. Romans chapter 8, we're studying this, and this tomorrow or Wednesday night we'll talk about this particular passage. Who is it that condemns us? Not God. It's Christ who died. Furthermore, it's also Christ that rose. He is at the right hand, always praying, making intercession for us. Secondly, and quickly this morning, if we are a Christian, I know this sounds kind of bleak, what I've been talking about thus far, but if you are a Christian, you have given your life to Christ, you're living for Christ, you are on the winning side, and I've got some good news for you, you are invincible. Come on, you're invincible. The devil can't beat you. 
can't do that in church right now. Yeah. Holy Ghost jig, something like that. Anyway, you're invincible. Try as he might, he can't win. Do you know why? Because you and I do not fight for the victory. We fight from the victory. Can I say that again? We do not fight for the victory. We fight from the victory. Can I say it again? You and I as Christians do not fight for victory. We fight because we are victorious in Christ. We have the victory. We've already won the war. There's an old country song that I used to sing years ago. And the song went like this. I might lose a battle now and then, but I've already won the war. Folks, I took a sneak peek at the back of the book. It says, I win. The devil was defeated at Calvary. We don't fight for victory. We fight from the place of victory. We are in a battle, yes. But let me take you in to the military handbook called the word of God. John chapter 12, the time of judgment for the world has come and the prince of this world, Satan, has been cast out. Colossians chapter 2 says, God canceled the record that contained the charges against you and me. Every single lie the devil has waged against me. God said, I canceled those charges. I took it and I nailed it to the cross. In this way, God, oh, folks, look at this. In this way, I didn't write it. It's in God's word. In this way, God disarmed the evil rules and authorities. I'm already victorious. 1 John 4 says, you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won the fight. Has anybody gotten excited yet this morning? You have already won the fight. Because... The one who lives in you is greater than the one who lives in the world. That's good. I got a third of the church shouting amen. The rest of you will pick it up on the way out. First John 5, it's in your notes, folks. Every child of God defeats the evil world by trusting Christ who gives you the victory. Those who win this battle are the ones who believe Jesus Christ is the son of God. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise this morning. We fight from victory. Yes, we are in a battle, but we're already victorious. But Satan has this great tool that's called deception. And his strategy is to lull the church, which means God's people, into a sense of giving up and not fighting. Galatians chapter 6 is not on the screen, but it's in your notes. Look it up. It says, do not be weary in doing what's right. For in due season, in God's time, you will reap. If you don't quit, if you don't quit, 
Listen to Jesus standing before Peter. Say, Simon, Satan has desired to take you out. Folks, he's not only interested in taking you down, he wants to take you out. But I have prayed. He didn't say, I'm stopping the battle. He said, I'm going to pray that your faith doesn't fail. Second Corinthians 11th chapter says, I'll continue to do what I've always done. And because I do this, this will undercut those who take for, look for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. Because they are false prophets. They are deceitful workers disguising themselves as the apostles of Christ. But he said, I'm not surprised. Even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. So is it a wonder that his servants are disguised who will disguise themselves as servants of righteousness? Say, pastor, how do I know the difference? Is it lining up with this or is it not? The end, the Bible says, is they will be punished for their wicked deeds. Let me take you back. How many remember, it's not in your notes, I didn't have space for it. How many remember the Twilight Zone? Not the reruns, the real, the regular, yeah. yeah. Rod Sterling, you are about to enter. How did he do it? Yeah. I mean, this guy, he just could do that. Let me share a story out of the Twilight Zone. An American was on a walking trip through Central Europe, and he was caught in a raging storm. Staggering through the rain, he chanced upon a medieval castle. Doesn't that sound like the Twilight Zone? It was a hermitage for an order of monks, and the monks reluctantly took him in. But later that night, the American was a little disheveled, and so he got up and started walking around, and he discovered a cell with a man locked inside. An ancient wooden staff bolted the door. The prisoner began to claim that the insane head of the monks, Brother Jerome, is holding him captive, and he pleads for the American to release him. The prisoner has such a kind face and a gentle voice And he begins immediately to win the American over. So the American goes to Brother Jerome the next day and confronts him. And he declares that the prisoner is none other than Satan, the father of lies. And it is the staff of truth that is holding him captive. It's the only barrier here he cannot pass. Listen, truth is the only thing the devil can't pass. And truth always wins. Let let me go on here. This claim convinced the American that Brother Jerome was nuts indeed. So as soon as he got a chance, he released the prisoner. You already know the story. Who immediately transformed into the hideous demon and vanished in a puff of smoke. The man was horrified, realizing what he has done. Brother Jerome responds very kindly and says, I'm sorry for you, my son. All your life you will remember this night and whom you have turned loose on the world. The American said, Brother Jerome, I didn't believe you. I saw him, listen, but I didn't recognize him. To which Brother Jerome solemnly 
replied, yes, that is man's weakness and Satan's strength. We see it happening. We just don't recognize where it's coming from. We think it's a person. We think it's a situation. We think it's, you know, whatever. When the truth is, the God of this world is blinding our minds that we might not understand. This is why I preach what I preach. If you all don't mind, I'm going to finish this message next week so I can get you out of here. Will you guys be okay with that? Don't, don't miss don't miss next week as I conclude this message. We have to understand, folks, I'm not a bearer of bad news. I'm a bearer of good news. There is a battle, but we already won. And I know this isn't the most popular thing to preach, but God forbid if you and I ever got into a situation and Mr. Ugly showed up, we would know what he looked like, wouldn't we? We would sit down. Why? Because we'd made a decision back here of what I'm going to deal with up here. Please, let that sink in. I got to make a decision back here because I know I'm going to deal with it up here. And I got to make a decision now how I'm going to do that. I got to. Diane's going to deal with things in her life that she has to say, okay, God, I know who I'm dealing with here. I saw him back there. I didn't realize he was going to show up like this, but I know because I'm not ignorant of his devices. Am I making sense, ladies and gentlemen? This is something that will not end until the day the Lord takes us home. And we have to be aware. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.